And emotional intelligence um, allows you to have your boundaries set up and keep your boundaries set up and prioritize yourself. One of the quickest things that I learned in my business is that not all money is money that I need. And I'm quick to turn away customers um, because my, my mental health and my peace needs more than, than your money. Because if you feel like you own me because you paid for my service, then you can have your money back. I'm good. <laughs>
but knew that I had a passion for nurturing and, and helping people get back to their baseline, right? And I think nursing is the perfect marriage of the two, where there is science behind it, but then you're also connecting with people on a very, very intimate, um, vulnerable level. And that if I wasn't a nurse, I'd be an educator. So it's funny that I'm both right now. I'm a nurse and an educator. Um, but that's really why I got into the field, to kind of combine the science behind the body and helping people live better lives. I love that. Um, no, especially shout out to all the educators um, and our nurses, especially throughout this time, because we need y'all every single day. Um, just want to jump right into it. Um, listen, do you think the healthcare professionals at some point in their journey should, um, cause we're all about, you know, healthcare entrepreneurship here, but do you think healthcare professionals should at some point in their journey start or think about transitioning into entrepreneurship? And if yes, why? Well, speaking of nursing, because that's what I am, I feel like we're, we are a brand, right? We have to go to school to learn these set of skills that not everybody has. And before we can even use these set of skills, we have to pass a licensing exam, right? So we have to pass the state board. That within itself puts you apart from a lot of other people and makes you a brand, right? Um, and so with even just within that, you going to work and getting contracts, either as a travel nurse, as a staff nurse, as a whatever, that's a business within itself. You can start an LLC and have them pay you through your LLC. And that, and that that's tax write-offs, that's a whole bunch of business credit. So that's that lane. But healthcare in general, we have a set of skills that not the average Joe Schmo have, right? The person who's working at the Gap can't just come in and do physical therapy on somebody. You had to go and put in work, put in clinical hours and go to school for this specialty. So I think that if you use your specialty, your clinical skills, but then also the soft skills that come with that, you could transcend that into any business model because anybody in healthcare, as you are working with sick people, and also interdisciplinary, your soft skills should be off the chart, right? You should be able to know how to communicate, how to take orders, how to advocate, um, how to talk to people, how to handle crisis, right? And so you can translate that into something else, whether you wanna open a restaurant, you'll be, you'll be amazing at customer service. Um, and so yes, I think that healthcare workers should, could be entrepreneurs. I'm not gonna say should be because the journey ain't for everybody. But they could be entrepreneurs because they have the ability to translate their skills into other um, other aspects. I love that. I love that a lot. And um, I wanna I wanna ask you something now. I was listening to an interview that you did back in uh, 2020, and uh, one of the biggest things that I've realized for you that is like. I'd say it's one of your core values, at least from the outside looking in, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, being able to have that aspect of emotional intelligence. So with that being said, I want to ask you from a standpoint of being able to build a business, being able to build a brand, what does it look like to be able to take emotional intelligence and apply it to whatever it is that you're building in a way that it allows you to continuously grow, but at the same time, be kind to yourself because sometimes we could be a little harsh. You know what I mean? So what does that look like for you? That's a great question. Um, and thank you for doing your homework. So 
<laughs> first, let me just give the definition of emotional intelligence so that people have some level setting of what we're talking about. Emotional intelligence is the ability for you to manage your own self so that you can manage others. In, a, in one sentence, that's what it is. Um, of course, there's, there's, you can go deeper into that, but that's, that's not what it's about. Um, your question really is about how do you use emotional intelligence to grow as a business person? Well, because you are dealing with so many different people and people have this mindset that the customer is always right. People, especially now in this day and age, it's about instant gratification. And because I gave you my money, I demand this right here, right now. Emotional intelligence helps you with managing people, right? And so something bothers you, something triggers you, you get pissed off, you're, you are able to manage that yourself. And then you're able to manage this irate person. Even if that means take your money back, sis, I don't need it if I got to put up with that <laughs> because not all money is good money. And emotional intelligence um, allows you to have your boundaries set up and keep your boundaries set up and prioritize yourself. One of the quickest things that I learned in my business is that not all money is money that I need. And I'm quick to turn away customers um, because my, my mental health and my peace means more than, than your money. Because if you feel like you own me because you paid for my service, then you, you can have your money back. I'm good. <laughs> I think on the back end of that, and I love that you just, you, you um, defined emotional intelligence, but I got to ask, right? Um, especially now, like when people are going through, through it, right? Um, with the financial situation. I know a lot of people out there um, when it comes to like hey, trading their services for um, compensation, they have to make that decision between going to do business for this person because I got to eat, you know, I got to put food on the table for the kids or the family, whatever. Um, and, and do I want to deal with that stress? Right. So for the person that's at that crossroads where they have to be able to learn how to start processing that in a way that serves their best purpose. And it's not just about the financial thing. What are you telling them? Um, to be able to transition through that because it's real for them, right? They, if, if, if they're at a place where money's tight, making that decision between just like, I don't want to do business with that person and I got to eat, it, it becomes hard. So what do you say to that person to be able to work through that and, and progress? That's, that's real. That's real life. If you are literally um, eating from client to client, customer to customer, and you have a customer that is not your that that is not your ideal person to want to work with, and you need to make this decision. Am I really going to give my best to this person? Is 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 this person going to see my passion for what it is that I do in my business? Is this going to be the ultimate? It's going to be so good that they're going to refer people back to me. If the answer is no, then the money is not worth it. Because one of the thing about businesses and how businesses grow is word of mouth, referrals, and returning customers. And if you can't stand this person, you're going to resent doing work for them and it's going to show, right? It's going to show. And you don't want their feedback and their review of your service to even damage you even more because they picked up on your energy. My whole thing is... I niche down, right, with nurses. There's certain type of nurses that I want to work with, but I'm really looking for my soulmate client. Like, I'm not just looking for my ideal client because my ideal client is anybody that's going to buy for me. That's ideal, <laughs> right? I don't want my ideal client. I want my soulmate client, somebody who, like, connects with me, somebody who, who gets me, somebody who's on the same energy level as me, somebody who's going to take what I give them and then do something with it and have positive results, and it comes back for more because they rock with me. 
That's what I want. That is my soulmate client. So if you are working with someone, especially if it's service-based, if it's product-based and they're just buying their product and, and you're going away, right? But if it's service-based and they're not your soulmate client, then it's like, you you really got to say, is your time, your peace of mind and your, and your value worth it? Is it financially worth it? So let me ask this um, follow-up question then for you, right? Um, how then, because, you know, that's, that's a whole nother issue, right? When it comes to like being able to figure out your niche, your, your market, your subset. So what would you say has been the most effective marketing channel for you specifically um, in your niche? Um, so my, my marketing channel is using social media and showing up and being a very relatable educator, right? Um, and so I don't pay for ads. Um, I probably should, but I don't. Because for me, my soulmate client likes my personality. They like Tiff. They like that I'm raw. They like that I cuss. They like that I'm from New York. Like, they like that. And in order for my personality to show, I have to show up in front of them. So social media works for me for marketing. Um, because I am a coach, because I'm an educator, because I'm a mentor, and the services that I offer is me coaching people, they first have to like me. They have to know me. They have to trust me before they spend with me. And so because I know that that is a path and that people window shop, right? People will watch you for 12 months before they decide to open up their wallet and, and pay something for you. I have to always be on and perform and nurture my client. So for me, marketing is going on social media and talking and just being real and honest and transparent. And people like that more than they like the fact that I have degrees and I, and I know clinical skills and, and I'm a nurse and I can break down, you know, complex nursing stuff. They don't want that part. They want to see TIFF. And so that is, that is my marketing strategy. Now, Tiff, I want to follow up with that, and I want, to, I want to take this a little bit deeper. Now, I know that um, in the past that your dad paid, I think it was $36,000 for you to, to go to a boarding school, and, you know, to, to someone listening, like, that's a, that's a pretty big investment, you know, but... I think that it's fair to say that it, it worked out well for you, but for, for people who, you know, cause the thing is, I want people to really understand, like you have to invest into your business. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. And they think that there's kind of these shortcuts that they can go to or go through to be able to get their business to their ideal situation. And it doesn't work like that. Um, and so the question I want to ask you is, how do you balance reinvesting back into your business and paying yourself? And what's the importance of being able to invest in your business? That's a dope question. Um, I've, so business has been booming since the mid of 2020. Um, just because of the fact that I am a nurse who specializes in diversity and inclusion and there was a lot of social and, and racial injustices that happened. And because I'm an educator, it was time for me to, to, to educate and teach. And so because of that, business boomed. I made more money in the last two quarters last year than I had in my entire three years of being a business, right? The first thing I did with my money was reinvest in myself. 
right? And so hiring coaches, having professional development classes, and making sure that I am the expert in my fields and that I know my business front way, back ways, up ways, sideways, so that I can channel different markets and different people in different platforms because I am an expert in my fields. One of the things that my business coach told me was instead of being a jackie of all trades, right, you you really want to be a master of one. And instead of going wide with your knowledge, you go deep with your knowledge. And so every time I get money, it's always how can I go deeper into this and really learn this from scratch, from the bottom, right? So that's that. The other thing too in my business is making sure that customers know how to find me when it gets to my website is user-friendly. And so investing in systems and operations, right? Investing in a graphic designer, investing in a, in a virtual assistant, investing in a lawyer, investing in things and components that's gonna help my business run, it's gonna automate it, it's gonna protect it, right? Um, getting trademarks, all of that, um, because that is going to help my business keep it safe, keep it secure and make it grow. I don't want to work in my business every day. I want to nurture my business. And the thing with entrepreneurship is as you get bigger, you can't do everything that you used to when you first started out. It's impossible. You're not going to be able to scale that way. And so I use my profits to make sure that my business runs like a corporation. The, the CEO of Target is not at their cash register, right? And so as I get bigger in my business, I'm not, I shouldn't be doing the admin work. And so I take that money and invest in the, in the parts that's going to help my business run and be automated. I just got to sit here for a second, just kind of take that in. Nah, like, <laughs> I just want the listeners, just, just take it in for a sec. No, that's fact. That's absolute truth. Um, you know, earlier you mentioned that you mentioned your, your coach. And I just want to talk about that for a bit, um, just because I think a lot of people tend to lose on the importance of having a coach, right? And I say this from this perspective. Um, like many people, I love basketball. And I look at people like LeBron James, right? And listeners, whatever your thoughts on LeBron, that's your problem. Right now, we're just going to talk about the fact that my man has a coach as a head coach, development coach, he has an eating coach, he has a, you know, personal fitness coach, he has somebody that makes sure that all these things are happening and he's investing at such a high level. And what, what I want to ask you, um, one, well, it's a two-part thing. One, why do you think there seems to be this idea that having a coach for your business is a bad thing, right? Um, that a lot of people tend to think. And then two, what have you found to be the most important part of having somebody that's able to help you see more clearly throughout your journey? To answer the first part of your question, why people think having a coach is a bad thing, I think is twofold. One, I think there's a lot of fugazi coaches out there. And so people have invested their money and had no return. And there's people out there slapping the label of coach on them and, and ain't got no type of result. And so that's one. <laughs> Two, I think people think that asking for help is a problem. And that could be a professional thing. I know for nursing specifically, we don't like asking for help. That also could be a cultural thing, right? Within the Black community, if you're asking for help, it's because you didn't do it on your own. And people like to be prideful and say, I did this. I got here. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I made it by myself. Nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about that struggle life. I don't want to be on a struggle bus. Having a coach will get me to my goals sooner, quicker, faster. Why? Because they are the expert. It's their ministry. It's not mine. 
come to me about nursing education, come to me about pediatrics, I got you. Come to me about setting up taxes and the S-Corp and my business funnel and all, and all that other stuff. I don't know what that is. I didn't go to school for that. So I hire somebody for that that's going to tell me how to strategize all the behind the scenes stuff to get me to my goals sooner, quicker, faster. Not saying that not having a coach won't get there, but the amount of time, effort, money, sleep, tears, blood, money, sweat, all that that you're going to waste trying to do that when you could have paid the expert to do it for you. I, I like simple things in life, right? So if the whole purpose of me being a business owner is to live life by my own terms, then why am I working extra hours in my business than I was when I was working at my nine to five? That, that sounds backwards to me. We're going to have to pass around the collection plate in a second because, Lord, Lord, I'm liking where this is going. So um, I want to I wanna kind of backpedal a little bit. Um, I know that back when the, uh, the murder of George Floyd first happened, that's when you kind of transitioned into your role as a diversity and inclusion advocate for your hospital system. And... Um, I want to get your opinion on this because we have a segment that we do, that we now do, which is just our Black health segment. Uh, you know, our podcast isn't only about being able to show how to make money from different avenues, but it's also about being able to take care of your health because health is wealth, like they say. So with that being said, a 2020 study showed that between 2005 and 2016, medical professionals were 10% less likely to admit black patients to the hospital as opposed to white patients. And it also suggested that black people were 1.26 times more likely to die in the ED or the hospital. So, you know, I want to kind of bring that statistic to light because there's a lot of, I mean, we, we know, we know what goes on, but I think it's very important to put it out there and not shy away from that conversation. And so with that being said, I want to know what do you, first off, what do you think about that statistic? And second off, what do you think needs to be done in order for us to improve that? answer both your questions um the statistic is is a fact for me right i'm not i'm not surprised by it because i see it i see it and that's one of the reasons why i i went to school to become a diversity healthcare leader you know because i need to do my part to get that statistic to look different a lot of that has to do with implicit bias right that's that's where it comes from it's implicit bias and it's implicit because people don't know that they're doing it when I am educating those in the hospital setting, um, one of the first things that they say to me when I have my conversations about race is, I treat all people the same. I treat everybody the same. It's not about color. And I stop them and I say, but it, you can't treat everybody the same because it's not about equality, it's about equity. And the difference with equity is that you may invite me to the party, but I don't have anywhere to get there. Right? So equality is everybody got an invite. Equity is I don't have a car. So how am I supposed to get there? I can't enjoy the function. Um, and so being black means that I may need more resources than your white counterparts, right? Or any other counterpart. 
being black may mean that I'm not non-compliant for the sake of being non-compliant. I'm not adherent, which is different, because I only make $5. And you want me to buy this medication or you want me to feed my family? I'm going to feed my family. Not that I'm saying that my health isn't important, but my family getting fed is more important right now. And so it's, it's the implicit bias that I think a lot of healthcare providers are missing. Um, it's the stereotype that black people can withstand pain. It's a stereotype that we're stronger, we're tougher, or we're, we're medication seeking. Um, so there's these stereotypes that come from the implicit bias that's validated by social media um, and other things that, that starts that cycle. And that's where the statistics, the statistics come into play. How to combat that is to educate people. But first you gotta have the conversation. People need to one, be open to the fact that they may have implicit bias and we all have implicit bias. You know, it's not just a white thing. We all do. When we talk about nurses, we say she. When we talk about physicians, we say him. That's an implicit bias, right? Because you're automatically thinking that the nurse is a woman and a, and a surgeon and the doctor is a physician. You see a pit bull, you think savage. You see a poodle, you think sweet. That's an implicit bias. The pit bull could be the one that's saving your life and the, and the poodle is the one that's biting your leg off, right? And so it's like we, it starts from, it starts with acknowledging one, right? Um, we always got to identify the problem so we can fix the problem. And then it is one being open to then being educated to learn more about it. That's, that's how we can combat that. I love that. Um, yeah, this is a real subject for me too. Um, just because, you know, I think, and I read it somewhere, they were talking about Serena Williams when she was having her kid and, you know, the clots and everything and, you know, how they're like, you just want pain meds. And it, it dawned on me that it does not, unfortunately, it does not matter who you are. It, it's, when it comes to this, like there's that equal, <laughs> um, there's that equality in like the mistreatment of black people and help. And so, you know, my, my follow-up question with this becomes for the people that then develop that fear. Right. And I know this is prevalent. This is prevalent. You know, black people don't like going to the doctor. Um, how, how do we start to get our people to take that step to start trusting in the science. I mean, we're seeing it left and right, right now, even with the COVID vaccine. Everybody's like, I don't trust it, this, this, and that. And the science could tell us like, straight up, it's good for you, you need this, it's gonna help. But there's that mistrust. So how do we then like divide that, bridge that gap with the mistrust when it comes to getting black people to start really um, taking the healthcare even more importantly, you know, and, and ensuring that even if the fear of not being treated fairly is there, they will still push and push and push until it is, um, you know, what do they do then? Well, we need more black people in healthcare because that's where it starts from. Um, there, there, so there's a historical context as to why black people don't trust medicine, right? We, we understand that because they have been experimenting on black bodies since the first boat came over here, right? So we, so we get that. If there were people who look like us in healthcare leadership positions, in scientific pharmaceutical um, positions, and in just executive positions that were talking with Black people and not to Black people, then that will allow Black people to be more trustworthy. That's, that's the thing. Don't talk to me and tell me this 
this is what I need because black people are skeptical. <laughs> How you know what I need? You don't know what I need. I don't even know what's in this. Why are you offering something to me? You never offered black people anything before, but you quick to give us this, right? That's the conversation that's being had. What I see is that when you have someone that is from the same neighborhood, culture, ethnicity as the people who you're targeting, and because they understand the culture, it's easier for them to be a stakeholder. It's easier for them to be a change agent. It's easier for them to influence and educate because people are at ease with them. Because you understand me, you speak my language, you understand. That's like, you know, you go to the doctor and they say you're overweight and they tell you to cut out carbs and cut out whatever. I'm Jamaican. You gonna tell me stop eating rice and peas? Okay, sir, that's not happening. That's not happening. Rice and peas is on, it's every meal every day. And you want, you want to tell me to stop eating carbs? All right, sure, sure, mm-hmm, right? But if you tell me how to cook my rice and peas with different type of oil or different type of coconut milk or use, you know, organic rice instead, like if you tell me how to keep what I love and what my culture is, but just make it a little bit more efficient, then I'm more likely to try it. But when you tell me to just niche this whole thing, okay <laughs> so we need more black people in these spaces having these conversations with black people we need representation that's what helps build the trust 100 percent agree with everything you just said and just know it doesn't matter what doctor tells me what i'm gonna have my rice and peas period so i feel you <laughs> um all right tip so let's uh Let's pivot now back to back to the, the entrepreneurial side of things. And this is more of just like a, a fun question and kind of give us to, you know, more of a, a look into what things you're, you know, thinking of doing, whether that be this year or the next five years or whatever the case may be. But what would you say are three things that are on your entrepreneurial bucket list? Oh, that's a dope question. One, I want to open up a CNA school. I definitely want to do that because being a CNA is literally your entryway into nursing for a lot of people. Um, and CNAs are really the backbone of nursing. So I do want to open up a CNA school. Um, I, I will be, I'm going to affirm this, I will be Dr. Gibson soon, some point, and going back and getting my doctorate degree because one, it's a personal thing, um, but two, I'm kind of like, again, why not? I already have three degrees. I already have two specialty certifications, and if I'm really going to be the expert and dig deep into this field, then doing the research um, and the thesis behind it is going to get me there. So uh, um, becoming Dr. Gibson is on my plan. Um, and then three is to continue to be a speaker, a keynote speaker, um, and to do education and consulting and grow my business that way. So I have a couple of courses that I have out. I have a mentorship program and continue to grow that. If I can get my courses into nursing schools and have them be licensed, that to me is like gold. That would be gold. So those are my business goals. I love it. I just be honest. You are a beast. Like, I just got to say that we all know it, but we have to acknowledge it. Um, here's another fun question. If you could invent the next big thing in any industry, what would it be? So I want to have a franchise of laundry mats. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I've had this idea for years. Um, and it's not like, it's not like I've had to go to laundromats all my life, 
But I just feel like because I'm a single mom, I guess, and I see single moms having a struggle, you know, you got to pack up all the kids, pack up all the clothes, and no matter if it's rain, sleet, hail, snow, you need clean clothes. So I just kind of want to do like a real chic, <laughs> bougie laundromat um, and have a whole chain of it and have it catered to the single mom. Drop your kid off and your clothes and come back and pick them up. <laughs> like that's it. That's that's what I want to do. Let me go ahead and, tra- and and trademark that before somebody steals my idea. Let me go ahead and put that in writing. Let me call my lawyer. Y'all y'all got me out here talking about all my goals and dreams and stuff. Somebody's gonna take my idea and do that. But yes, that's what I want. Drop your kids, drop your clothes, and have you you, you know go do your mom thing. Get a manicure, a pedicure. We probably got that at the at the laundromat too in the back. And just it's a one stop shop. Get it all done. That's what I want. No, I love it. I love it. That's dope. Let me ask you now, just just like in terms of um, <laughs> just in terms of being an entrepreneur, I feel like I I've heard this so many times before, and so I'm curious to know what your take is on this. Do you think that there is a such thing as having too much money? Nope. Okay. Okay. No, the reason I asked that is because I've had some, I'm not going to say no names. So if you're listening to this, don't worry. I'm not going to say your name, but I've had a conversation with someone before who said like, they feel like at a certain point, there's too much. Like you don't need billions. You don't need millions. Like you don't need all of that. And for me, I just, I can't really resonate with that because if you if you want to do the things you say you want to do, if you want to be able to provide for your family or your, your your grandkids and pass things down to generations and build that generational wealth, it's not going to happen with $100,000. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> not going to happen, you know? So I just, I wanted to make sure I knew where, I already knew, but you know, I just wanted to get the verbal confirmation where you stood on that. Uh, Another question I have for you, since I had asked you about, you know, the three things you have on your bucket list, you mentioned um, also before that you have some courses and and things like that. And I know on a a previous interview that we listened to, you mentioned being able to create the professional development course for the faculty. Is that something that's available now or is that in the works? What's going on with that? So I do have a professional development course for nurses who are at the bedside who want to become leaders. And then I have a new professional development course for nurses who are going into nursing education and nursing faculty. So that actually starts next week. So that's coming up. What I do on my consulting side of business is I speak with schools of nursing. So that's something that I do where um, I am either a keynote speaker or presenter for a nursing school. And I talk to their faculty on how they can include diversity and inclusion in their curriculum. Because right now in nursing, you get that one chapter about cultural competency that says all black people do this or Hispanic people do this or Jewish people do this. And I hate that because it's not true because we are not a monolith. So you can't just say, I'm, I'm a Jamaican black person. So the person from the South and me, we don't do things the same. We don't look at life the same. We, we don't even look at American black people the same in the Caribbean, right? Um, and so it's like, you cannot just lump us all into one chapter um, and think that you're going to go into the world of nursing and what you read in the book is what you're going to see in front of you. So that's, that is something that I do um, as a speaker. 
Um, and I, to me, that's, that's the most important work is making sure that we are creating equitable and inclusive nurses who are culturally competent. That's, that's where it all starts. But I want to talk about this money thing. Like now, come on, that is such a limiting belief to say that there is a limit to how much money you can have. It's like, no, I don't want to block my blessings. If the Lord sees fit for me to be a billionaire, then have at it. Because if I can then have 15 new nurse academy CNA schools and I can buy my own island and I can put in an endowment and I can make an HBCU, like that's what my money is going to do. And my children's children's great-grandchildren are going to be living off the money that I'm making today. Ain't no such thing. I, if let, let me make my own money. That's what I want. Like, let me create and print my own money because I'm making so much, right? Let, like, no. Money doesn't buy happiness, but it affords a lot of great things. And I like luxury, and I like travel, and I like experiences, and I like clothes, and I like cars, and I want my daughter to go in private school. Give me all the coins. Okay, I just wanted to say that. This week's scripture reading comes from the book of, I don't like, listen. <laughs> Yo, I love it. No, you for real. If the Lord sees fit for me to touch some paper, who am I to deny his will? Rain down on me, Lord. Rain, Rain down, down on me. me. Yes. Let me touch so they can touch. Amen. Um, let me ask you this question. And this is going to be a cool one because I'm really interested because you've done a lot. You've done a lot. You are doing a lot. But what would you say single-handedly has been your biggest accomplishment or achievement in business so far? Automation. The single, the, 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 my single achievement was automating my services, right? And so what do I mean by that? I realized that I was exchanging my time for dollars early on. And once I got into the groove of how to really translate what it is that I wanted to teach over social media and how I found my soulmate client and how I was able to get them from problem to solution to results, and I was able to do that with multiple people using the same framework, then it was like, Tiff, this is it. You're golden. Um, and so automation, automating how people get to me automating how people go through my services, automating the, um, the coaching framework that I use so that we can automate results, right? That, that to me was the biggest success because now um, you don't need to speak with me directly in order for you to be educated by me. And then I'm able to do things like podcast interviews and Netflix and chill and whatever else I want to do because I'm not tied to my computer anymore. So once I learned that and I learned how to work my framework, so that I can continue to get the results, that was that was business success. I want to ask you something in regards to a quote that I heard you say before, because I heard it, I heard it, and I was like, "Yo, that's a gem right there." Like that's that's a really good one, and I had never heard it put like that before. But you said, "Fill your cup, and the overflow is what you give." Now, you know what, before I, I'm not even going to ask anything else, I just want you to explain to the listeners what that means and how important that is for you as a business owner. 
Um, yeah, fill your cup up and the overflow is what you give. And this is coming from, you know, flying, you know, you're in the plane and they tell you in the case of emergency, you put your own mask on first before you put on somebody else's. And that's because you helping somebody else out before you help yourself, you're going to die, <laughs> right? Because you've exerted all your energy trying to save somebody else that you have no, no breath, no air left for you. Um, so not only am I a business owner, I'm a mom right? I'm a, I'm a woman. I, I'm, I'm a friend. I'm a sorrow. I'm a lot of things to a lot of people, but I can't give them anything if I don't have nothing to give. And what's in my cup is for me. Like I don't fill my cup up so I can pour and give it to you because that continues to, to deplenish what I have. And I don't, I never want to overexert myself for anyone. The only person who gets that is my child. And even with that, she sometimes needs to just step away and allow me to recharge my batteries so that I can be an effective mom for her and give her my quality time. It's about quality. And so I do things that I need to recharge my battery and fill my cup up. And then I am full with joy. I'm bubbling. Then that's what everybody else gets. The other thing that I've also noticed too as a business owner is that everybody doesn't need access to you. And I had to learn that quickly. When I was first starting out, I wanted to be everywhere. I wanted to be seen everywhere. I was giving my number out. I was giving my email out. And I'm like, call me, DM me, text me, whatever. No matter the time, you know, what, what time works for you? And I was on their schedule. And I was like, hold up, this, this don't work. No, now you on my schedule. I have office hours. And there's a couple layers that you have to go through before you get to me, as it should be. Why? Because I'm valuable. I know my worth and you can't just have access to me like that. Um, and so that's one of the things that um, I've had to learn really quickly. Tiff, I'm going to ask you this last question and you, you can do it for healthcare or you can do it for just flat out entrepreneurship, but who would you place on your Mount Rushmore? in terms of entrepreneurship or healthcare, who would you say is on your Mount Rushmore? Dang, you came out of left field with that question. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so there's a doctor out here in Philadelphia. Her name is Dr. Alice Stanford, right? She is um, a pediatric surgeon, black woman, and she single-handedly has vaccinated maybe 40,000 people out here in Philadelphia. She she basically stopped working and stopped doing surgeries when the pandemic hit and started doing these pop-up clinics to test people for COVID-19 because um, availability of testing was not good. And then people in the hood just, you know, again, with the whole trusting and I don't have access. And so she made COVID-19 testing accessible to the hood in Philly. And then when the vaccine came out, she made the vaccine accessible to the hood. It's free. Just sign up is free. Um, and she single-handedly did that, right? And I just think it's so dope. So I will put Dr. Alice Stanford on my Mount Rushmore. Um, I also will put my boss at work, Stephanie Sanders, um, on my Mount Rushmore too. She, she's, she's a beast in heels and I love it. Like I, I see her work in the boardroom. I see her be her authentic self. I see her, um, hold people accountable for trying to play her and she does it professionally but even when she steps outside professionally and she got to be stuff from the hood um while at the hospital she just gets the job done and i'm so in awe of her but what i love about her is that she basically was like i'm gonna groom you right and she took me under her wing when i first started working there 
and basically exposed me to everything. And she gives me the behind the scenes and she, and she lets people know, like, if I'm not here, you go to TIFF. TIFF is just as capable. And so she put me in position to win. And so I love that. Um, I'm going to put myself up on Mount Rushmore because damn it, I'm great. And so Tiff Gibson is going to be on Mount Rushmore. And that's all I have right now. I can't think of anybody else. <laughs> Listen, I love it. I love it. Put yourself on your Mount Rushmore just like your sweater says 100%. Um, what's that last part? 100% nurse power. It's a dope, dope shirt. You know what else is a dope shirt? The ones that we have. Listen to me, y'all. We got these joints. We're making them amazing for y'all. And y'all continue to just text us, but don't purchase. Look, we've made it easy, okay? All you have to do is text the word shirt. Don't DM us. Don't email us. Don't fa- Just text the word shirt to 321-384-6275 to get yours. Yes, we can customize it to have your name on the back. Yes, you can put the word doctor to manifest it into your life. Yes, you can get it in any color that is white, black, or gray, maybe even a little red. You just got to ask the right people. That's us. You have to text the word SHIRT to 321-384-6275. Also, um, we release you know study guides with a lot of these episodes so that you can not only just listen, but learn and apply so you have to be able to text us, join us in that community, 321-384-6275. Just text the word study guide and you'll be able to get onto that list. So when an episode drops, you'll be able to get that study guide as well. So you can actually get to the next level. Look, Tiffany has put herself on her own Mount Rushmore and you can too. But all you got to do is join the crew and text us at 321-384-6275. Thank you so much, Paul, for that. Um, Tiff. This was fire. This was fire. Really appreciate you, you know, making the time to to come and talk to us. And I think that a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from this episode. But before we let you go, you know, for anyone who this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be, you know, some contact information or social media info that you want to leave with them? Um, absolutely. I am on LinkedIn as Tiffany E. Gibson, and I'm on social media, um, Instagram and Facebook as New Nurse Academy. So they can definitely find me there. Um, Instagram is is my jam. I'm usually on Instagram. I'm also on Clubhouse a lot too, but I'm on Clubhouse because I'm moderating rooms, not because I'm, I'm listening to other people speak. Time is money, y'all. And Clubhouse is a rabbit hole. Um, but I'm also on Clubhouse as New Nurse Academy. They can also go to my webpage, uh, which is www.newnurse-academy.com where they can learn more about the services that I offer if they want to request me to be a speaker um, at any of their function or just uh, book a consultation call with me they can do that all there at my website as well perfect perfect thank you so much to to our lovely listeners it's that time to end the episode with that being said please head over to Apple Podcasts Leave us a five-star review. We appreciate you guys for rocking with us. We appreciate all your support, all the love that you've given us. Um, And reach out to Tiff. Let her know how dope this episode was and uh, how much you appreciated her coming on and and, and dropping all the gems that she dropped. But with that being said, until next time, peace, many blessings. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.